Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you, well, you are, you're you, and you're listening to All Ball. All basketball, all the time. And it is an absolute pleasure, honor, for you to uh, to listen to my pod. We got a great special guest on uh, on this version of All Ball. His name is Andy Kennedy. He's the former head coach of uh, for a year, the Cincinnati Bearcats, and... Um, and a longtime head coach at Ole Miss. He's now a broadcaster for the SEC Network and a really, really good one. Plus, an amazing kind of life story. A life well-lived, you know, transfer. A guy who's played overseas a little bit um, in the NBA. Got a cup of coffee in the NBA. And, of course, has been a longtime assistant. Part of that Bob Huggins family and a longtime head coach in his own right. So, we'll, we'll get to, we'll tackle a myriad of topics with uh, with the one and only Andy Kennedy in mere moments. Let me uh, let me first promote my radio show, 12 to 3 Pacific Coast time, 3 to 6 Eastern time, 3 to 6 Eastern time. The Doug Gottlieb Show is on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM 217 and 203, where you can hear all of my opinions on a variety of topics, not just on the NBA or college basketball. I, I want to give you a couple of, uh, I guess, quick little thoughts on a couple of teams that I've seen. Now, I saw San Diego State play in person, and the Aztecs, I don't know if they've been down, but look, they were, they've been a dominant team, absolute dominant team in the Mountain West Conference until recently. Right, here's San Diego State, and Brian Dutcher is entering his third year as head coach, and they kind of gotten a little stale, to be totally candid with you. Think about what San Diego State has been able to accomplish under Steve Fisher. And and look, if you know anything about Dutch, Dutch is a huge part of it. But they went through a run there where they won 26-25, 34-26, 23-31, 27-28, 
And then in Coach Fish's last year, only 19. They made the tournament in Brian Dutcher's first year. They won 22, but I think they won the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Then 21 and 13 last year, but kind of disappointing. You know, the Malik Pope thing never never kind of worked out. This year, they're 3-0. and This year, they're nationally ranked. And I, I think this is a really good team. You know, they're averaging about 80 a game. They're back to not just having transfers, quality transfers, uh, kids that can get buckets, but guys that are kind of OKGs, you know, our kind of guys. Malachi Flynn is a big-time scorer. He's averaging over six assists a game. I don't think he's a great passer, but he is willing to pass off penetration, share the basketball. Jordan Shackle, uh, Shackle, excuse me, uh, Bishop Montgomery kid can really shoot. They're using him some at the four. KJ Fagan is a transfer. He's originally from Long Beach, transferred from Santa, Santa Clara, and he's just kind of a do everything, do everything guard. Right? He's not a point. He's not a two. He's not a great shooter, but he's just a and he's a good on ball defender. And then they have Matt Mitchell, who's lost twenty pounds. You know, he's sick. Listed six six two forty. He was two sixty seven last year. Nathan Menses, they're starting big. They bring Arap in, who gives them great energy and athleticism, like a six five six six. Four or five. Yanni Wetzel starts for them. He's a New Zealand kid from uh, Vanderbilt. Huge body. They have those big bodies that they've always had, but now you have Flynn, Shackle, Fagan, and occasionally Mitchell who can make shots. They just didn't have enough shot makers in years past, and really their defense wasn't as tough as it had been. Um, I, I'll tell you about Utah State in a second, but I think that the Mountain West has two top 25 teams, two teams that can win the league, and two teams that can win a couple games in the NCAA tournament, San Diego State's one of them. All right, now let me get to another team that I've seen that I really, really like in the Mountain West. It's Utah State. Okay, so Utah State's coached by Craig Smith. We're going to have him on the pod. He's hilarious. I mean, truly an enjoyable dude to to have around, to hang around, and to listen to talk. We had Tim Miles on. He's a former Tim Miles assistant. Um, I, I like this team a great deal. Now, I liked them last year when other people did not or other people were kind of slow to come around to them because they were so good so good defensively, you know, offensively, they share the basketball, they play good hoop, you know, all that stuff kind of works, but defensively they're kind of nasty and nasty in a, in a very, very good way. I mean, look, look at the, uh, look at the advanced stats on Utah state. And for example, I mean, I, I love doing kind of raw data, not always, you know, kind of advanced analytics you know what somebody Utah State is I think they're 12th in the country as of the time of this recording in field goal percentage defense and remember we we did discuss San Diego State San Diego State known for their defense is at 14 and Utah State's played they both have played an okay schedule nothing spectacular Sacramento State by the way right now the best but you know who is Sacramento State Virginia obviously Georgia Tech Ohio State so um but the impressive part about Utah State is that they're doing all this without Nima Keita, who's their best defensive player. He's a sophomore from Portugal, just a tremendous shot blocker and has really good feel around the basket defensively. So whatever their defensive numbers are, good, but they're going to get better. Then he added Sam Merrill, who's shooting 54% from three, preseason player of the year. Brock Miller hasn't been shooting it all that well, but he's a total sniper. Um, they got Alfonso Anderson, who's a junior college uh, he's just an undersized four. Gets to the free throw line a ton. Comes off the bench. Diogo Brito is back. Abel Porter's back. So Abel Porter and Justin Bean. Justin Bean's their second-leading scorer. Those guys are former walk-ons, but they're older. They've been on their mission. 
Like it's just a good, and now they have a, another big kid, Kuba Karowski, who's starting because Nima Kata's out. He's seven foot two, block shots, only you know just finishes around the rim, uh, gets like two offensive rebounds a game. He's already got eleven block shots, so he's averaging over two block shots a game. Like this is a nice deep team that's old and experienced. So I I look at San Diego State, I look at Utah State, and with so many of the other high majors having younger players. Wouldn't stun me if these are two teams late in the year that not only have won 28, 30 games, also are going to win a couple games in the tournament. And especially a team, you know, like a Utah State, who, you know, Utah State has played in the NCAA tournament. They've won the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Like, they've won big games before, so nothing really uh, should surprise them or nothing should, you know, throw them off their rocker. And I think playing without Nima Keita, so far this year is is like a really good thing for their future to because you know like look you get in the ncaa tournament and kata gets into foul trouble now uh karowski is going to have to come in and they also by the way have sean Bearstow. that's uh do you remember his brother played at, at new mexico cameron Bearstow. now they they look sean Bearstow looks like the before whereas cam Bearstow, who is a a mountain of a man who played a little bit in the nba is the after picture but still having a Bearstow in the mountain west is kind of clever so i think san diego state and utah state legit san diego state probably a top 20 25 ish team utah state probably i think i put them on my fox sports top 10 are they really a top 10 right now they probably would be because they're ahead of everybody else they have some athletic limitations i don't think anybody would would argue with that but they can shoot it they can pass it and they really defend um and they don't turn it over a ton so we'll see as they step up in weight class they're going to play against um i think they have lsu coming up so there's going to be some tougher games on the horizon and they've only played montana state weber state denver and the north carolina t and texas san antonio they haven't played anybody good and they've mopped the court with all of them um like weber state i think they beat 80 to 37 like that was the actual score but i like both these both these teams I, i really do i think they're going they're teams that you will see second weekend in march There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in the uh, longtime head coach of Ole Miss. Of course, was head coach for a year at Natty. He uh, played at NC State and at Alabama-Birmingham at UAB. And uh, now you see him on the SEC Network and working for the folks at ESPN. He's A.K. Andy Kennedy. How are you? What's up, Doug? Um... How, what is it like to be a guy who has been in locker rooms as a player and a coach for your entire professional life? Now you've been through a season, at least, of being uh, an analyst kind of commentator. What, what's that like for you? Well, it's completely different, obviously. Uh, less pressure, but honestly, less reward. You know, I enjoy it. It's been great for me. The year away last year, I was a coach for 23 years, Doug. So to to step out of that lifestyle, which, as you know, is all-consuming, and to look at it from a different perspective was very, very helpful for me on a professional as well as a personal basis. Now, going into year two, I have a much better understanding of, of what happens on this side of the camera, i.e. television. I'm still, you know, watching and learning and growing and seeing a lot of different things uh, that I'm exposed to from the TV aspect. And, uh, again, it, it's been good for my growth on a number of fronts. All right, let's, let's go back. Um, I remember reading the book about NC State and reading about, reading about you. What was it like to what, – what are your memories of playing for Jimmy V? Well, I remember that book. That, was, that book was like, I, I guess, a lot of books, uh, 1% fact, 99% fiction. Uh, but I, I remember – this guy, more than anything else, Doug, he was so far ahead of his time, meaning he was one of the first coaches that actually took uh, being a basketball coach and turned it into an enterprise. Uh, he was, if you remember, in the time that I was there, which was 86, 87, he was not only the head basketball coach, but he was the athletic director. He had his own company. He was one of the first that really started commercializing the whole business of coaching. So all of the coaches out there today are making a lot of money uh, doing this doing this thing called coaching. Uh, a lot of respect goes back to Jimmy V because he was one of the pioneers in making that happen. What, what was he like to play for, though? What was he like as a coach? He was very emotional, uh, very intense. Uh, not overly detailed as it related to X's and O's. It was really more in, in finding the right buttons to push emotionally to get his guys to play. I was a part, you know, he won the championship in 83. I got there in 86, 87, and we won the ACC tournament that year. Uh, I was on the team with Vinny Del Negro, who you know well. Charles Shackerford was kind of a notorious guy who ended up playing a number of years in the NBA. Chucky Brown was a good friend. So we had a really good team, and he was a guy, again, that my first year going into to big-time basketball on the collegiate level, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. 
Uh, all right, give me your best Shackelford story. You know what? There's a number of them. Uh, I think I think the one that stood out. I, I I remember. I think it was after I was gone because there was some you know some some scandal followed a few years later. I want to say maybe sixty minutes or somebody big time was doing a a story on him and a uh, story on the program and they interviewed Shaq and you know he had the ability to score over both shoulders right and left and he had a really good. He was about six eleven, extremely long, and he was really good with his left hand. And he had, he said one time, "Yeah, man, I can go left or right. I'm I'm amphibious." Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you do you remember that? Yeah, of course, of uh, course. Uh, and then you know he ended up playing a, a number of years in the NBA and uh, uh, had a good run. Okay, so then you leave, you go to UAB, and you play for for Gene uh, Bartow. Gene Gene Bartow. What was what was he like? Talking about polar opposites, you know, Doug, I've been really fortunate from Jim Balvano to Gene Bartow to Bob Huggins, all three Hall of Famers, and all three are polar opposites in their approach and the way in which they conduct their business, but all three have been very, very successful. It just shows you there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I live Jimmy V. I go and, and play for Coach Bartow, who is a Hall of Famer. He did an incredible job at every, really, every place he went. You know, people forget he was the guy that, Came after Wooden at UCLA, which was a thankless task. Uh, took uh, Memphis to the Final Four, and then he came and, and built a UAB program from scratch, and had unprecedented success early on in in, in the building of a program. Coach Bartow was different, you know. He was um, he was equally as intense, but he just went about it in a different way. He could see the game as good as any coach I've ever uh, been around. You know, back in those days, because you just didn't have as much access to information. Uh, you weren't overloaded with analytics or you weren't overloaded with a lot of tape and a lot of, I mean, you, you played for Eddie Sutton. You, you probably, uh, or it was probably very similar, but those guys, man, they could really see the game. He would sit there throughout the course of a game and could make adjustments as good as anybody I've ever been around. So, so you, you get done, and then you go. You went and played overseas. You played what in Greece? I know you played. In, yeah, um, I was with I was I was with I was with the Charlotte Hornets briefly. Then I bounced around abroad. I, I played. Hold, in, hold on, wait. Uh, let's but let's let's, go, let's Who was on the Hornets when you were there? They have Trapuca. They have Kelly Trapuca and some of those dudes. He was gone. Dale Curry was there. Rex Chapman, uh, mm-hmm. Muggsy Bogues. Uh, you know, it was right before the Grandmama Alonzo Morning Run. Uh, Gene Littles was the coach. I'm there through preseason. They would signed a guy, or they picked a guy. You rem- you'll remember this guy because you're basketball Jones. Kevin Lynch, remember him? About six four, sure. white guy from Minnesota. First pick of the yeah. second round, and he uh, he did not show up for camp. Was you know holding out, whatever, trying to get a guaranteed contract. Back in those days, second round guys didn't get guaranteed contracts, and so. I went through some preseason stuff, and he, they ended up signing him. I get released and uh, and went immediately to Greece. How funny is this? You know, now you'd pay thousands of dollars to go to Greece and to tour the Parthenon and walk around downtown Athens. Well, that was my first job abroad. That was my reality. I, I literally uh, would, would go by the Parthenon every day on my way to practice and didn't appreciate it one bit. Uh, and I was there right after the Persian Gulf War. It was not a great time to be an American in Greece at the time. Went from there, bounced around Holland, played in Spain, was in the Superior League in Puerto Rico when I tore my right ACL, which at the time was my fifth. I've now had six, but at the time it was my fifth knee surgery, and it caused me to lose a step I, I couldn't afford to lose, which pushed me into a, a different vocation. 
All right, so you, so you decided to go into coaching. What was that? What was that like? To like, you everybody dreams of playing. You're so close to making the NBA, and you know, playing in when you're playing in Greece and in Spain, you're still kind of a phone call away. Uh, how did you right. go through the process of getting into coaching? Well, you know, I just reached out to a lot of people that I'd known along the way. You know, back to Coach Barto, God rest his soul. He he was not very helpful. He he was he was very dissuasive. He did not want me to get into coaching. He just thought it was a hard way to make a living, and he uh, he wasn't very helpful initially. And then when my stubbornness prevailed, he finally uh, he had a great line. He said, you know, uh, when he knew that I was going to get into coaching, and he made a couple calls for me to help me. My first job was at South Alabama for Ronnie Arrow. Sure. Uh, that was the first job that I had, and they, you know that that was when UAB and South Alabama were in the same league back in the old days, the old Sun Belt with Old Dominion and VCU and South Florida, Western Kentucky. It was the original uh, Sun Belt. Well, he Coach Bartow once told me he said, you know, coaching this coaching business is a hell of a way to make a living if it wasn't for those games. And he's never and he's never and he's never been truer. Uh, I've, I've embarked into coaching twenty three years. And uh, he was right. It's a, it's a it's a great business if it wasn't for those games. Those games seem to amplify things. They they do, but that's the fun part, right? That's the part that you're missing. <laughs> I agree. That's it's, what it's, I miss for anything. I agree. Right? The, no, I mean that, that's why that's why I the agony of defeat. No, I mean, and and I'm sure you've experienced this. Like, look, I've I've never coached in college. I've coached other games, but every year I sit down courtside, and you miss being in the losing locker room as much as the winning locker room, right? Like even the even the man that's got to that's got to suck that plane ride home. But the idea of a coaching staff trying to figure out the solution to these problems, right? And and, and even you know the things they say about the oh, I hate that guy, I don't like that kid. You know the guys that turn him off, turn him on, or whatever. Like those parts, as well as the winning, the the winning is is so exhilarating. I believe that any coach like yourself that thinks, do I want to do this long-term? If they sit courtside, if you're in a studio, it's kind of stale. You know, it's it's like watching from a blimp. It's not the same thing. But if you sit courtside, there's no way, no way you don't want want back in. All right, let's go to, okay, you're at South Alabama, fresh out of plan, right? Uh, it's in Mobile, Alabama. You're coaching under Ronnie Arrow. What do you remember about it? really a strange odyssey how about this so so this was back in the days when south alabama when you remember schools used to be on the quarter system meaning they started really late so i get hurt in the summer uh in the old superior league in puerto rico which was an experience in and of itself but i come back excuse me i come back and i delve into coaching uh i'd walked into a situation where coach arrow was a bit on the hot seat i didn't know it was scalding we start off one and three and he got fired so I'm four games into my initial voyage into coaching. Uh, another guy who was new on the staff named J.T. Prada, who, who had, who had uh, been under Paul Westhead at Loyola Marymount, and we were trying to implement this Loyola Marymount pace of play, which sounds great if you've got Bo Kimball and, and, uh, and Hank Gathers, but it didn't work so good in, in Mobile. We were scoring a bunch of points, giving up more, throwing the ball all over the gym. So J.T. became the interim head coach. Uh, I stayed there throughout the course of the season. They ended up hiring the late, great Bill Musselman, and I worked for Coach Musselman for a few weeks prior to uh, having the opportunity to come back to my alma mater. Coach Bartow had retired as the head coach. Murray Bartow, his son, was given the job. Coach was, Gene was still the athletic director, and I came back and, and worked for Murray. Wow, that's 
That's crazy. I didn't. Crazy, I didn't remember right? that. Yeah, I didn't remember that Ronnie Arrow got fired, and then you know, because he went, now he's now he's back there, right? Now he's back at South Alabama. Well, he like went the, back. No, not well. He's gone again. But he 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 was the only guy, and it was the same AD. It was Joe Godfrey, Mark Godfrey's father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Coach Godfrey was the athletic director who dismissed him, and then he brought him back some years later. So I don't know if that's <laughs> ever happened before. Ronnie had great success at, at South Alabama, but we started off one and three. I'll never forget and uh, get whacked. Uh, JT coaches the rest of the year. We were very average at best, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to come back to Birmingham and, and coach for Murray at my alma mater. That that is that is kind of amazing. With HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. You have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. Say goodbye to the endless grocery store trips. You ever do that? I forgot this. I forgot that. Forget about that. Forget takeout food. Like, how many times can you order takeout food where you don't know what's in them? HelloFresh has you covered. There's something for everyone. And when you have three kids with all different desires, all different, like, oh, wait, you won't, you can't, the, the days of like mom and dad, like we're cooking this, you're eating what we cook or you're eating it for breakfast. That was, that was my upbringing. Now you got calorie smart, you got vegetarian, you got fun menu series like hall of fame or craft burgers, add extra meals to your weekly order, as well as yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. You can even change your delivery days, food preferences, and skip a week whenever you need. Look, I, I love to cook. You are still cooking. I, I just coming up with new ideas, trying different flavors, all while skewing towards things you know you like. That's what HelloFresh is. It's amazing. It, it's so easy. I just, I implore you to try it. It will cut out any of the arguments or added discussions. What's for dinner? I got to go to the store. You go to the store. Well, do you, do you have the plastic bags in your car or do you have the reusable bags in my car? All these things are annoyances that HelloFresh takes away. Get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash AllBall9. Use the code AllBall9. That's HelloFresh.com slash AllBall9. Nine free meals. So use that code AllBall9. Um, you mentioned Puerto Rico is an experience. All right, give me an experience. Give me a, give me your best Puerto Rico story. Well, my... my, uh, my uh the owner of our team was the head of the CIA in Puerto Rico, a guy named Juan Almada, and he was uh, he was quite a character. But you know, I went over expecting you know it'd be me and, and nine Puerto Ricans, but it was it wasn't. They you know you know how it is over there. Anybody with any Puerto Rican ancestry is considered Puerto Rican in this league. So it was just like America. You know, it was me and, and nine dudes that could run and jump and play, and they were all as American as I was. So it was just like you know high level college basketball. Uh, in these in these little cracker box gyms throughout the, the country of Puerto Rico, where they're smoking, you can barely you know you could you barely see the other end of the court for all the smoke in the gym, and everybody's drinking and shooting fireworks. It was it was quite a it was quite an adventure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and I'm sure you've experienced this. You know, where where you're you're recruiting a kid, and they all say they love it, and you're like, really, you love it? Okay, go play in Greece in a smoke filled gym where you don't know if you're going to get paid, right? And right, and you, right. you hang your stuff on a little hook in the locker room, and dudes are smoking after tape the games. Tape your own ankle. Yeah, yeah tape, tape, tape your own tape ankle. Your own find ankle. your own eyes. I, I remember my um, I I was uh, so I finished up and I was supposed to play with a team in Italy with an Israeli passport. I go to Israel. They won't give me a passport unless I live in the country. 
So I go back and I essentially get cut and then I'm in the CBA and uh, I thought I, I made the Idaho Stampede. I'm competing for a starting spot with my man, Darren McClinton. And then all of a sudden, Randy Livingston gets cut from the Bulls like the day before the season. And we play an exhibition game and uh, I don't play a minute. I realize that it's because they're bringing Randy Livingston in. They release me. Then I'm in the I do. I call two games on ESPN plus and then I play in the IBA. I fly to Russia. Yeah. I practice for a week. I play in Russia. And I never forget this. Like we get done playing in St. Petersburg in the middle of winter. And I was like, hey, can I get some ice? Right. Like, you know, you want to always ice up after a game. And they're like, Lut. I was like, no, no, ice. Can I get ice? Lut, Lut. And I was like, all right, whatever, Lut. So they go outside and they scoop up. Lut is, is snow. Snow. And so they just yeah, go yeah, outside, yeah. scoop up snow, put it in a plastic bag, and hand to you. Like, Lut, like, good enough. There we go. Right? Yeah. I just, I, yeah, good enough. I, I, it's cold. It works. Yeah, it does. It does. Work. All right. So how did you go from UAB to, to working for Huggins at Cincinnati? Well, you know, before we get to that, you're reminding me of a great story. People don't have any idea. They think there's this pot of gold overseas and everybody's going to cater to their every seat. They really have no idea. I remember getting the phone call. I get released by Charlotte on like a Tuesday. And on Thursday, I get a call. And that was back, you know, before the whole e-ticket deal. So you'd go to the counter at the, at the, at the airport and get your boarding pass. So you show up, and I, I get on a plane and fly planes, trains, and automobiles to get to Athens, Greece, and yep. land and literally have no idea where I'm going, who's there to get me. I mean, it's just it's just blind faith that somebody sure. scoops you up because you've got a one-way ticket. I mean, I can't even get home. Like, if I'm, if I'm sitting in the airport and nobody shows up, I don't even know how to get home. And that's what you did, just like you said, prior to, you know, understanding – uh, whether or not you're going to get paid, where you're going to live, what's going on. You just kind of show up and hope it works out. I've done you that. Know, I, that, that, that actually is my Russian story. I don't remember if I've told it on this pod, but so I was, um, so I, 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 pl- I, I called two games. Speaking of, of UAB, Pete Durzis, who's, I believe he's a UAB alum, right? He was at that, that right, time. He, is, he, is. Well, he worked at UAB. That's right. Okay. He's got great affinity for UAB. So he calls and I'm, I'm working out and doing stuff in Oklahoma City. He's like, hey, you want to call some games? We, we want to take, take a listen to you. So I did uh, Texas, uh, I was, oh, TCU at Butler, and Thad was the coach at, at Butler on like a Saturday. Okay. Greedy Daniels was the point guard at, at TCU. Then I do TCU, Texas Tech, and I'm literally having drinks with Pete after the game, and I get a call from my basketball agent like, hey, uh, we, we got some interest from a couple of uh, foreign teams, but you haven't played. Like you want to go play in the in the IBA? I was like, "What in the hell is the IBA?" I go play in Salina, Kansas, right. but to play in Salina, Kansas, I, they were playing in in Des Moines, Iowa. So I I call a game in Fort Worth, fly the next day to Des Moines, play the next two nights in Des Moines. Then we bus overnight. I'd never been on a sleeper bus. It was like something out of the movie uh, Major Leagues. Um, we're on a sleeper <laughs> bus. We go back to Salina, Kansas, play four games in like five nights in Salina, Kansas. And right before the, 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 the last game, I get the call from my agent like, hey, this Russian team wants you in Perm, Russia. I'm like, all right. So I, I play a game in Salina. I pack up my stuff. We drive my wife back to uh, our apartment in Oklahoma City and, uh, or maybe to her parents' house, whatever. I fly from Oklahoma City to New York. I have to go to the consulate to get a visa. So like you land wow. in the morning, I took my first, you land like at 11 o'clock, I go 
directly to the consulate, fill out some papers. Then I got to come back at like two something. Then I fly overnight to Russia, to Moscow. And when I landed in Moscow, like you're groggy, you don't know a, a day or night. Right everybody, no, no. Cause I was, I had to catch another flight. So, cause it's in, uh-huh. it's in a, a different city. So we land in Moscow and I come out and get my bag and it's the same thing. Like I got a one way ticket. I have no cell phone that works. This is in 2001 in, in January. And, uh, I'm looking around, looking around, and all I see is a bunch of Russia writing and a basketball. And I'm like, right. that must be my guy. It's got to be me. Right? Gotta be right. me. Right. So I was like, me? He's like, he takes my bag, and he's like smoking, and he puts me in the car, and he points to the back of the seat. So I'm like, and here's, what, here's my m- memory, because he did stop, and we got something to eat, and he ordered food, and we drank hot tea, and I ate something that was terrible. But I remember like coming in and out of consciousness and seeing Red Square. Right. It's kind of what you're saying about the Parthenon. And it, yeah, it reminded yeah. me of somebody in like a spy movie who was drugged, who like you're like in and out of consciousness and you're seeing different parts of Russia. Right. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm at another house or something. Yes, yes. But they're taking me to another airport because the way it works in Moscow was you flew into one airport and then they take you to another. And that other one spits you out to the other cities in, in Russia. Anyway, then he like he drops me off at another airport and hands me a plane ticket and then just like, all right, go ahead, dude, <laughs> fend for yourself. Yeah, good luck. That's it. And then I flew to another airport and, you know, we land and it's ice and snow. And there's another lady with a basketball symbol that doesn't speak English. You're like, all right. And then I end up I end up in an apartment that used to be occupied by Roy Marble, which is uh, uh, unbelievable. Or not not Roy Marble, uh, Roy Tarpley, uh, who had the the drinking and drug problems. Wow. Wow. No, people people have no idea. I've I've got I played in about five different countries, and I could tell you just incredible stories about each. I, I did the same thing. I landed one time after like a 17-hour flight, landed. They picked me up. We have pleasantries. Hey, how are you doing? That's all they could say. And they took me right to the gym, and I played a game like literally an hour and 45 minutes after landing into a country. Wow. I was okay, with so- you. I was with the I- I, I was with. Uh, I, I've also played on teams where I, the coach didn't speak English, so that the other American has to tell you what the coach is saying, yeah. Yeah. and then you start scoring more points than him, and he be, starts becoming quiet. So, he, so he freezes you out. So he wouldn't no, tell that, me to play. So he ended up letting that, me go. <laughs> that happened to me. In, that happened to me in Israel. In Israel, everybody speaks English. I played for a guy named Sharon Drucker. And there was another point guard. The only other, the only Israeli, true Israelis, like you're saying about Puerto Rico, like everybody, we had a bunch of Americans that, you know, you marry an Israeli chick or you're Jewish like me, you can get yeah. Israeli citizenship. So we had Corey Carr. Uh, we had a guy, Jesse Salters, who played at South Florida. Um, and uh-huh. Mate Militia, who played at Long Beach State. Anyway, the only Israeli that could really play was this guy, Guy Contour. And, you know, they, they would coach in, he would coach in English. And then all of a sudden, like, I would play well in the first half and play more minutes than Guy. And I come in the locker room and they're arguing in Hebrew. <laughs> and, right. and I was like, what are they, what did they say? And then we go out and all of a sudden, like, I'm coming off the bench again. Like, uh, oh, okay. That's, that's, that's it. what I we it. had. That's what, that's what, that's what's going on here. All right. So, so you're, you're at UAB. How'd you get to Huggins? Now, listen to this. I've known Bob Huggins like a lot of people have known Bob Huggins. You know, we had, we had actually recruited because Huggins was recruiting, you know, Jukes a lot in those years, in that time. And, at UAB, we were a lot of jukes, so we would cross paths on different guys throughout the course of the, uh, the country. But long story short, back in July, you know, the July period has changed so much over time. I remember there, when I was first starting coaching, July was basically an open period. So you'd pack your bag, and you'd be gone for 23 days. 
you'd be gone 23 straight days. There were no off. I mean, it was 23. You could go to high school. You could go here. You could go there. Not nearly as regulatory as it is today. Then they went to a period where it was, I believe, seven days on, seven days off, seven days on. Or maybe it was 10 on, seven off, 10 on. I don't remember. But the first period, I'm at UAB, and I went out as a UAB representative. I'm recruiting for UAB. Mick Cronin left Cincinnati to go join Patino at Louisville, so there was a spot open. Uh, you know, I tried to throw my hat in the ring. Some people had reached out. We had some mutual friends, yada, yada, yada. Next thing I know, the night before the second period that started to end it, uh, I get a call from Hugs, and, you know, basically he offers me the job. I accept the job. He tells me I'm going to be in Las Vegas, and at the time I'd never been in Las Vegas in my life. He said, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna fly to Las Vegas. I'll be there in a couple of days. Boom, boom, boom. We'll FedEx your cell phone and some gear. Here's the hotel. Go." And that's what happened. So I I flew out and worked for Hugs then, and we connected. And you know, I, I was with him for four years. Uh, learned a, an incredible amount of basketball. You're talking about a basketball savant. Bob Huggins sees the game at different levels. Uh, in my opinion, should be a first ballot Hall of Famer for everything that he's accomplished and still a close friend for today. I I I agree with you and, and, and echo that. I I got to tell you my Huggins story, okay? So okay. Um, I'm at Notre Dame, and uh, I, I've obviously got in trouble, had to leave, and so I, I my idea my my father's like. Hey man, let's. You should go. We'll go to junior college. My one of my high school coaches, my first high school coach, was a coach at Golden West. Practice with the team. I actually help him coach, do all this different stuff, and not play, not lose your year. So in the meantime, um, that first summer before I'd even ever played in junior college or gone to junior college, excuse me, I played in a junior college event in Vegas. So this is okay. Oh, you might have you might have been at it. Uh, it was in nine, the summer of nineteen ninety six. So ninety six, I, I might have been. Yeah, we're we're in Vegas, and it's me and cat uh, Clay McKnight who actually did the same thing. He transferred from UCI to Pacific. He also sat out for a year, but that was my intent. So I go and I'm in. I played a year of college basketball. You know, I'd started at Notre Dame. So like I'm playing against these JUCO dudes, and it is. I mean, it. You know, even though they're high level athletes, they had like you know when you played college basketball for no, a year, no you're a completely idea. different. No level. Idea. Yeah, right. right. So I'm yeah, you're, I'm you're playing. I'm playing great. Right, and I actually had a had actually had a nasty dunk. Like I'm in just in the greatest shape of my life. So I get home and I get a call. My mom's like, uh, "Bob Huggins from Cincinnati's on the phone." I was like, "Oh, okay." So um, I was like, uh, "Hello," and he says, uh, "Hey, you want to come?" And I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> I tell you, that like, was you know, line. Yeah, he said, he said, uh, "Listen, uh, saw you play in Vegas. Thought you did great. Need a point guard." Uh, you want to come or don't you want to come? Because uh, we got we got a hell of a team. We got a lot of athletes. We could we, we, we'd love to have you. Just let me know. If, do you want to come or not? I just I don't I don't need the bullshit. You know I don't I don't need to need to fucking run around. Just let me know if you want to come. You want to think about it? I can send you some stuff. You can check out our roster. You want to come out here? You can come out here. I don't really care. Just let me know if you want to come. Right. I was like okay, and uh, that that was. <laughs> I was, I was like, okay, okay. And um, what's what's interesting was I didn't, and I should have. Like in terms of the oh, yeah, roster, you, yeah, you would have done well for him. You could have done good by. Now that's what you know. It wouldn't have been easy some days, but but you're tough enough. You could have handled it. And, and, no question. So uh, so I'll I'll dial I'll dial you back through what you. That was the year when you didn't have. 
96, 96, because I had played with, um, um, uh, who would I play with? That that was you had a uh, Damon Flint had played with our AU team, right? Yep. And yeah. was that Damon Flint? Was that was that Danny Fortson? Was that that crew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you end up Carol, and Bobby Bra- Bobby Brandon Brand- as well. Yeah, Ryan Fletcher maybe. Yes, and yeah, Kenyon was, but you had um, I, I you didn't have a there wasn't a point guard on that team uh, for like for like two years. You still end up got like winning the league until. Um, who was the little point guard? Steve, Lo- you got Steve Logan. Like the yep, year would have yep. been, I w- would have been my, I would have been my junior year. But it was like that was a Logan team that you had. Yeah, yeah. Logan and Satterfield was the backcourt. I, I didn't get there to oh one. I got there Logan's senior year. It was one of the, it was the first year maybe in like twenty some odd years that, that Cincinnati was not preseason ranked uh, coming into the college basketball season. So everybody thought we would be down again. It's my first year there. And we lost to Oklahoma State, ironically enough, in the opener. I don't know if it was a preseason NIT. I can't remember. But we go to Oklahoma State and lose a close game. Uh, then we reeled off 20 in a row. We ended up going 31-4 and four and getting beat in the second round in the 8-1 game because UCLA, who was the preseason number one team in the country, had, had not performed to that level. So they were in the 8-9 uh, game. They win, and they beat us in double overtime in Pittsburgh. I believe it was like... 119, 115, some crazy number for a Bob Huggins defense. I mean, but UCLA at the what? time, I think they had like seven or eight pros on that team. 105, 101 in double overtime. That's so it. You're, you're, That's it. You're pretty That's close. It. Yeah. You're pretty close. That's and you did it. lose That's to Oklahoma State. That was, the year, that was the year after we had all left. We, a bunch. No, it was, yep. it was two years after we had left, right? That was, yeah. So, it was, um, how, did, how does so, Huggins... So I, 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 the, the, the funniest thing about the story about me getting the, the Cincinnati job, though, I don't want to leave this out, so I was not the first choice. Huggs had offered the job to a couple of people, one of which was the guy that signed me at North Carolina State, Tom Abetamarco. The Alphabet Man. You know the name. In, yeah. in the 80s, the Alphabet Man. In the 80s, uh, early 90s, he was, the, he was the best there was. He was signing the best players in the country. So... Uh, Tom Abeta Marco signed me at NC State, and then he left to become a head coach. He never coached me at NC State. I, I don't. I don't remember which was first. It was either Drake or Lamar. He either got Drake and then took Lamar, or was it Lamar to Drake? I can't remember. But he became a head coach. He was never around when I was there. But I've known him. You know, we still talk. You know, periodically till today. And so, um, Hugs had offered better Marco the job. I think Coach better Marco had accepted the job and was going through a personal situation on the West Coast, and I don't think he could leave, and so it ended up opening, and I get it. The reason I know it was serious is because in my office for an entire year, these are the old-school phones, so when, when someone would call the office and the call would be for me on my phone, it would say, phone call for Tom better Marco. That's how far along it was. I mean, he was in the system. And I never got it changed because I wanted it to be a reminder of how fortunate I was to have the opportunity. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. That's amazing. All right, so here's he was in California coaching at Sac State. My brother was his assistant. Yep. So, oh, uh, I mean, and I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has been everywhere, and I got to get him on the spot oh. and have him tell some stories. I mean, he's oh, and, and you know what? He has an amazing eye for talent too. It's not just that he's a great recruiter; like he can go into a gym and find a go into an aux, auxiliary gym. Like, hey, this kid can play. You're like, damn. Uh, damn, better Marco, you're right. Alphabet man can can. Um, but and he, oh. I mean, he worked under Jimmy V, uh, Lefty, Lou Carnesecca. Yep. I mean, you you name it. He's he, he's the Forrest Gump of college basketball. That's really that's really what he is. The Forrest that, Gump of college basketball. That's a great that's a great call. You you should get him on the pod because he would have. I mean, this guy's been been doing this in the trenches for forty years. Pretty amazing. So how did you get the how the old Miss job? Well, okay. Well, first you got the Cincinnati job when when Huggins got got suspended. What was what was that yep. like? Because at the time, and this is I'll give you kind of my timeline of because your story is more important than mine. But it's interesting. I always have like I I revere Bob Huggins. I think he's great. Yep. Okay, and yep. and and I I think uh, I just I love the way. He gives it to his players, and he actually takes it back from some of them, right? Like some of those guys. Like yeah, you can, well, he, you wants, can no, he wants you to challenge him back. He, you know, he at least in those days, you know, he was always looking to live on the edge as it related to your be emotionally raw all the time on both sides of the fence. It's interesting because in a different way, Coach Sutton had the same sort of thing going. A lot of these coaches had this thing going where they would, they'd almost turn the players against the coaches in order to get them to play it at this kind of emotionally peak level, right? Where you like... And to get them to unify. Know, and to get them to unify. Almost yeah. like an us versus them. Yeah. Well, let's all stick together and, and, you know, because this coach is crazy. That, that was kind of the method of the madness. Yeah. Now, did he discuss that with you? Because, like, I don't know if Coach Sutton discussed it with his guys or just because we, you know, you get to Christmas break and like we fucking hate them and they hate us. Like, did was it right. was it a plan? Did he discuss it, or you no. guys just kind of no, went along on no. the staff? No, you you there was never discussion. You just started figuring out. Oh, this is how it works here. You know, we're gonna yeah. we've won twenty in a row. We're in fourth in the country. Life is good. 
<laughs> well, all of a sudden, let's pick a fight in the locker room, and so now let's curate some chaos because that's where we're better and that's where we're more, more comfortable. And so plus, it's also the type you know, of we, also the type of guys that he likes to recruit too. Like he doesn't recruit complacent dudes. Like you can't play for him. Like a three car garage kid would would really really struggle there. You know, whereas he recruits tough dudes that are better in adverse in adversity than they are in complacency. Fair. And you're, you're, you're completely fair, and adversity is, is their normal. You know, uh, normal to, to you and I is different than normal to, to a lot of those guys in that they lived in, in chaos. So that was normal to them. So if you put them into a quote-unquote normal situation, they would be uncomfortable and be passive and, and not be uh, what they were brought there to be. So, yeah, we were always in turmoil uh uh, the the thing goes down. We had a, a new chancellor, uh, got sideways with coach. Ended up firing coach, basically giving him an ultimatum. I wasn't going to take the job, but we had five seniors on that team. I was at the time the associate head coach and the recruiting coordinator, so a lot of those guys were our guys. And I went to hugs and I said, "Hey, man, I'm not going to do this if if you don't want me to." But I do, you know. I, I know we feel obligated these kids are here and they came to play for you and they're seniors they can't go anywhere you know we had a, a couple of kids that, that signed that didn't show up and you know so we were we were only sitting on about eight kids but five of them were seniors so he was like hey do you think you can win because i don't want it to ruin your career and i'm like you know bro i don't know if i can or i can't but i do feel like you know it's an opportunity that that we we owe these kids and he said i agree with you you got my support so I took the job. It was the first year that Cincinnati was joining the old Big East. So Man. us, Cincinnati, Louisville, DePaul, Marquette, all went into the Big East. And if you remember, that year, which was 05-06, it was the first year that any conference got eight bids to the tournament. Uh, that, that, that league got eight bids and two number ones. Uh, Villanova was a one, and Calhoun's uh, UConn was a number one. So it was an incredible league. I go to uh, – I never called a timeout at any level. Never been an AAU coach, never been a junior high coach, never been a rec league coach. So I become the head coach at Cincinnati. The TV schedule was already set. So everybody thought Cincinnati would be in the top half of the league, so we had monster doubleheader. I mean, it was crazy, the schedule. I think strength of schedule was like five or six in the country. I got it in front of me, but I, I, let, let's let, let's let's go through it. Okay, so your first game as head coach is against Murray, right? And was who was the coach of Murray at the time, right? So who's a former <laughs> Hugs assistant, but also like look, Murray's a. Who, who, listen, you're talking about funny, Doug. So so Mick leaves Cincinnati to go to Louisville. I get Mick's job. I coach uh, one year at Cincinnati. I leave to go to Ole Miss. Mick becomes a Cincinnati coach. So I mean, it's got a. Got a seven levers of seven layers of Kevin Bacon. Okay, so you um you, you you mentioned the Big East schedule. Okay, so you start you start the year off. You guys are, are doing well. You're thirteen and two after beating Marquette. You go to UConn, who's well, like the best stories. team in the country. I, I, I got I got stories though. Let let's go through this because these, these okay. are classic stories. Frank Martin was my assistant, by the way. Yep. Uh, uh, so it was Frank and I. It was Frank's second year. He and I were assistants for Hugs a year. Then he worked for me for a, a year. So, anyway, we opened up against Mick Cronin and Murray State, won a close game. They were good to go to the NC tournament that year. We were fortunate to win the game. We then, I think we're off to a 3-0 and start. Correct. Uh, we lose we to Dayton. Dayton at home. Right. Yes. We lose to which, Dayton at home. Which, hold on, let me, for, first, for people who don't, hold on, for people who don't understand, okay, like Dayton is, 
Dayton's always kind of been a little bit little brother to Xavier, let alone Cincinnati, even though it's 45 minutes down the road, you know, as, yep. as the crow flies. So this is this, you know, for, for any big school, right? This is Cincinnati and Bob, Bob Huggins program. You lose to Dayton. Go ahead. And we play, and we play Dayton every year. Back in those days, we would play Dayton every year. We play them home and away. You know, so this year it happened to be at Cincinnati. The next year it could be in, in Dayton. But we played them every year for a number of years. Hugs was great about that. So anyway, we lose that game. First time that Cincinnati had lost at home to Dayton in Fifth Third Arena. So that's on my moniker. Next, we play John Calipari, Dewan Wagner, that Memphis team. They come in and beat us. I think they were top 10 in the country, maybe top 20. So now we're 3-2, and two, and it's the first time in the history of the building, which was built in 1989, that, that Cincinnati had lost back-to-back home games in the non-league. So, again, now that's on my mantle. So now we're 3-2, and two, and I'm looking around like, oh, shit, this might have been a bad decision. Well, then we go to Vanderbilt. And let me tell you the story. This is the greatest story of ever. We, you, you've been in Ohio, and you know how the weather changes quickly. So we're, we're, we are scheduled to practice, get on a bus, go to the airport, fly to Vanderbilt, play, uh, fly to Nashville, play Vanderbilt the next day on national TV. We go into the arena, and it was kind of drizzling, a little snow. We come out, and we're in a full-scale snowstorm. Airport closed down, uh, roads blocked. We're sitting there thinking, what the hell do we do? We ended up busing. That's not that far of a bus drive under normal circumstances. Cincinnati to Nashville is about four and a half, five hours. But but under those circumstances where interstates are froze and wrecks, it took us like 14 hours. So we literally get to uh, Nashville. You know, there's a Marriott that is kind of connected right there to Memorial Coliseum or Memorial Gymnasium. Yeah. We get in about early afternoon. We take a little nap. We don't shoot around or anything. We go to the gym. And they had a 26-game home winning streak versus nine SEC opponents, and we pop them. We then run off 10 in a row uh, to get to 13-2, and 2-0 and in the Big East. We're playing on Big Monday, nationally ranked against UConn. Uh, and my third leading scorer tore his ACL. A guy named Armin Coakley tore his ACL. And from, there we, and from there, we just kind of fought and scrapped our way to a respectable season. Um, yeah, I mean, you go to the NIT – and um, yep. uh, and you lose in the, the third round of the NIT. All right, so the hey, season... Lenardi, Lenardi will tell you this, because I've had this conversation with Joe on air last year. Joe Lenardi had us going in as an 8-9 seed, and we didn't get in. Uh, he, he, he will tell you to this day that it was the biggest miss he's had in bracketology. And this was, prior, this was early in the process. And uh, because we had lost Armin Kirkland, we were 13-2 and two with him. Without him, you do the math. We were, you know, right around 500 or a little under, and they discounted everything that we had done with him. And as a result, uh, I want to say our RPI at the time was probably in the 30s or 40s. It was one of the again highest rated uh, teams to not get in, and it was based off that injury, which kind of crippled us. At the time. Right, and 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 I, I remember I was doing TV at the time. It was a really hard one, but but even without Armin Kirkland, you did beat West Virginia. Yeah, that was a John team. Beeline coach team. You know, you beat Syracuse yeah. on the road. You beat Louisville. Yeah. I mean, you had some un, un, unbelievable, unbelievable wins there at the end of the season. What did you, in terms of coaching and managing people and running a program, like just in terms of X and O game coaching? You mentioned you never, you never called a timeout. What'd you learn that first year that 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 has always stuck with you? Well, I learned just to kind of focus on the things that you can control, and, and there was a lot of noise around the program on a lot of different angles, and 
you know, we figured out, okay, this is the best way that this team can play to have a chance to win. Uh, it was different than a lot of the things that we had done when Hugs was a coach, just based on our personnel or lack thereof. And we just kind of embraced the challenge. We didn't worry. You know, I had a contract through March. I didn't know, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm my, both of my children are young, and we're sitting around thinking, man, what's going to happen? But I didn't really get caught up in all that. I had faith that it would all work out. Uh, never sent a resume anywhere. Uh, got a got a call from Ole Miss. They flew in, and and we had an opportunity to 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 sit and to visit. And you know, they offered me the job, but I didn't pursue any jobs. I didn't I didn't have a resume. Hell, I don't have one today. I just went about my daily business of doing what what we needed to do, and and again had faith that it would all work out as it should. You you get the Ole Miss job. And obviously, being a guy from the South, it's uh, it, it's it, it, it's not necessarily an uncomfortable feeling. But Ole Miss is a different job, and one that you know you were able to survive it in the old building, into the new practice facility, into the new arena. Um, uh, what what was what was the first thing you did or you started to do when you got the Ole Miss job? Now, back in those days, I was a little bit of a crazy man because I, I, you know, I'd worked for Hugs for four years, and I thought that this was the way to do it. And really, my my stubbornness or, or and lack of of understanding ended up helping me because I inherited a situation that they were coming off four consecutive losing years. Uh, Rod Barnes, who had, who had had unprecedented success there, took coached the team to its only Sweet Sixteen years prior. The wheels just kind of fell off, and they they had four straight losing years. Uh, we walk in, I inherit three seniors uh, that had never experienced a winning season. No one in that locker room that I'd met for the first time when I was getting the job had ever experienced a winning season. So we just challenged them. I had Todd Abernathy as my point guard. Todd is now an assistant for Dusty May at Florida Atlantic. And uh, Todd's father, uh, Tom Abernathy, was on night 76 undefeated team, starter, played in the NBA. Uh, he was a ter- terrific kid, and a lot of people were like, well, I don't know if he can play the point. He's more of a combo. He ended up uh, being an all-SEC point guard for me and leading the nation in assist to turnover. So we completely styled, we completely changed style of play. We challenged them. If they're tired of losing, let's stop losing. And we were able to flip it in year one, and that gave us the momentum by which to, to do the things that you said, you know, to, to raise the money, to get the building built, which was our practice facility, which then allowed us to get a better caliber of player, which increased uh, awareness, increased uh, exposure. People started becoming uh, understanding that, hey, man, maybe it's time to get rid of this flying saucer that we call a coliseum and go build this this university a legit arena. And that's what they did with the pavilion at Ole Miss. So all of those things really happened based off the efforts of that first team because they changed the narrative and were able to do so quickly. Um. I felt like you had a great handle on the job, on reasonable expectations, on the type of kid you have to get. And yet, you know, there's like, look, at Ole Miss, there's some limitations. On the other hand, there, you, you know, you were able, for the most part, to, I think only, what, two full seasons until your last one that you didn't have a 20-win season, which is incredible uh, in college basketball, especially at Ole Miss. What, what, when did, did, is it, what do you think it was the arena, right? Like, cause I've always heard like basketball coaches always want to have a new arena. On the other hand, once you get a new arena, it raises the expectations and new arena, new president, new AD. Those are not good things for a, a basketball coach. What, why do you think you lost what felt like almost a lifetime appointment as a job? 
I just think it, it grew stale. You know, 12 years is too long for a guy. I had I did a respectable job there. You know, we set the, the, the new standard, but it's too long. We didn't have that breakthrough. We didn't have a Final Four run. We didn't get to the Elite Eight. We... We we were always we were consistently good but never great. My best team was Marshall Henderson's first year in twelve thirteen when we had the all time leading shot blocker in Reginald Buckner, the all time leading rebounder in Murphy Holloway, and then and then the Marshall factor. And we went twenty seven and nine and uh, won the SEC tournament, beat Bo Ryan in, in Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament, and then LaSalle had upset K State. In the uh, in the in, in our other matchup, and Lasalle ended up beating us with a Philly floater. We go down and, and lose by two, uh, which kept us from getting to the Sweet 16. That year, the number one in our region was Gonzaga, and they were upset by Wichita State. That's the year that Wichita State went to the Final Four. We matched up much better with Wichita State because they were more conventional than we did Lasalle. So that could have been us. My point being, but it wasn't. It didn't happen. So anyway. Twelve years, I was on. I went through three ads, three chancellors. I got along with five out of the six. The last chancellor just had an appetite for change. Uh, we went twenty-two games the, the year prior. Went ten and eight in the SEC. Swept our in-state rival. And my contract doesn't get extended. And I, so I knew. I said, okay, there's an appetite for change. And once there's an appetite for change, regardless of of your profession, typically change is going to occur. We had uh, we had a bad year. Uh, the timing was such that it was just time to move on. And I understood that. Uh, you know, I embraced it. And, uh, and I have nothing but fond memories of my time in Oxford. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, give me give me your best Marshall Henderson story. Well, Marshall was was something. Now, uh, you know he he was he was really 
uh, not hard to coach, and really not 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 belligerent off the court. He he simply and, and you know the reputation of, of Ole Miss. You know the, the kids there like to have a good time. It's a pretty contained community, but you know uh, the, the student body is is pretty active in the in the in the uh, in the partying scene. So Marshall just wanted to be one of those people. He just, he just liked the fact that he was going to come to practice and give you an honest day's effort. He was very emotionally tied into to what was important, winning and losing. But at the end of the day, man, he wanted to go hang out with the frats and his boys and just be another dude. And, and I said, Marshall, you you've given that up, man. You can't you, you can't do that. And that was really the the cause of, of his issues. Uh, it wasn't anything that he was maliciously trying to to do. He just kind of wanted to be one of the guys and. In this day and age, when you know you 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 uh, you the SEC tournament most valuable player, you can't be one of the good guys. You know you gotta you gotta understand that, and he he didn't he didn't quite embrace that. He he was, but the it, it, it's interesting. Like growing up playing basketball, somehow like we we all tell these stories about great shit talkers, and you know, and and back and forth between fans and coaches, whatever. And now, when you do it and it's on TV, people think you're either a crazy person, and then they yeah. fans get riled right. up. And and what was that like to try and manage? Where you're trying to coach a game, the kid does play really well on the edge. On the other hand, you can't have it go over the edge, and then you know it changes how games are officiated, how they're played. The second things kind of get get cranked up in in in, in this century. You know, I I think that that he and I had a pretty good understanding of you know, what I was going to tolerate and, and what I was not. And he also, we had some, some really good upperclassmen, a kid named Nick Williams who, had, who played with Boogie Cousins in high school from, from Mobile, and then he went and played for Tom Crean at IU. I'd recruited him the first time at Ole Miss, didn't get him. He went with Crean to IU and then came back, and he was a fifth-year senior in my program. I'd already mentioned Holloway and Buckner. Murphy Holloway was a fifth-year senior. They were kind of the leaders of the team. And so they, they kept Mar- Marshall under wraps for the most part, looked after him like – like big brothers do, Marshall led, and he st- he still may hold this. You could probably look it up as we're talking. A- at the time in 2013, he broke the record for most three pointers attempted in a season. Now again, we were 27 and nine. We go 15 and six in the SEC overall. I mean, we had we had a good team, uh, and he shot more three pointers than anybody in the history of college basketball. He shot more than eight different teams did. Uh, and that was what our team needed. It was the formula by which we could be successful because I had those guys that could go get those misses. Now, when he came back as a senior, those guys were gone, and he'd shoot that thing and he'd bounce over the shot clock, and we'd go back on D because those guys were gone. And as a as a result, we we weren't quite as successful. But Marshall had the ability, Doug. I've never seen anything like it. He could go four for twelve, which is not a very good percentage, as you well know, and yet change the complete outcome of the game based on his presence and his and the threat of him rattling off three or four in a row. We played Wisconsin, and at the time, I believe Bo Ryan had never lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Ironically enough, we're playing in Kansas City, where the College Basketball Hall of Fame is. I'm taking my team through the College Basketball Hall of Fame the day before we play Wisconsin, and the first picture that we see upon entrance is Bo, is Bo Ryan. So we're thinking, damn, this is the guy we got to play. He's never lost in the first round, but our matchup was good. This was the year prior to, to Wisconsin going and beating Kentucky in the Final Four to you know to snap that 38-0 Kentucky team. So we play them. Marshall hits his first. I think he misses his next 12. He's one for 13. We're down about eight with about six to play, which you wouldn't know. It could be down 15 against a normal team because the way they played back in those days. He rattles off, I think, five of his last six. We win by 11. 
that was just kind of how who he was. You know, despite going one for thirteen, the guys that were doing the game were Marv Albert and Steve Kerr. I've known Steve Kerr a number of years because I had an ACL tear. Like he had an ACL tear back in the days when you're not supposed to be able to come back from that. So he was he was good enough to to, to give me some guidance way back in the day. So off air, he's like, you know, how in the world do you do you do you put up with that? I mean, how do you, how do you how do you have the fortitude to stay from one to thirteen? So he gets you five or six. I said, you know, that's just who he is, and I understand that at any moment he can change the game, and that's what he did for us. Yeah, he he holds the record still. Um, Chris Clemens well, took three eighty nine. Uh, Akeem Richard took 392. He took 394 in 2012, 2013. Um, it really, it really is, really is amazing. Uh, If, if, uh, if you get back into coaching as a head coach, what would, what would the job have to look like for you? I just, you know, for me, it's not even really about, I'm not a guy that, that really, you know, chasing numbers or, you know, it's got to be in a power five or I've got to make this much amount of money. It, it's really not about that. I, to me, it's about institutional alignment. It's about everybody having an understanding of this is where we are and this is where we want to be and this is how we're going to get there. Uh, I want to have a good working relationship with the people that I work for and work with. And I just want it, you know, I, I want to have a fighting chance. You know, this coaching them up shit's overrated. I'd, I'd like to be in a situation where you had a chance to, to get equal talent and uh, you had a chance to, to have some fun with it. I'm 51. If I was 61, I'd probably just ride it in and finish it in the TV side. I'd like to coach again, but I'm, but I'm, not, I'm not such that I'm going to just take any job. I, I want to make sure that it makes sense for all parties. Um, recruiting in the South, what is the and, – and, uh, what is the biggest ask that has been made? I didn't say you uh, fulfilled the ask, but like you walk into a room and, and a parent or a, or a guy, an uncle, I'm sure there's been an ask, right? They all ask for the moon, the stars, and the sun. What is the biggest ask that's yeah, ever been made of Andy Kennedy? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know the specifics. I try to block a lot of those things out of my memory. But, you know, there there is certainly... Uh, if you get involved with, with, with a certain culture, you're going to understand that with that comes an expectation of entitlement. Uh, and, you know, I work for Bob Huggins. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't dance that dance because, again, I have nothing against you. You do it. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in you do what your conscience allows you to do, professionally, personally. I mean, we all have those choices daily. I don't know how you coach a kid and coach him hard, which I believe you have to in order to have a chance to be successful if you've done something illegal to get him. So that was really – it had nothing to do with, oh, I think it's right, I think it's wrong. You know, this is, again, this is a free will society. I just, I'm just not into that simply because I don't know how you coach a kid and hold him accountable if, he, if you've done something that, that puts you in a, in, a, in a predicament in order to get him. Okay, but you still didn't answer my question. Nobody's gone like coach. Yeah, I'm not gonna, we're going to have to get. We're going to have to get. I'll tell you. So I'll tell you, my dad. Figures. I'll tell you that. You know, we, huh? we were involved with some kids that uh, we were involved with some kids. You know, I've, I've been asked for six figures cash. So I start doing the math in my head. I'm thinking this is post tax money. So yes. I mean, you're talking about a house. You're talking about maybe you know the first two or three houses I ever owned. Yeah, it's it's really kind of okay. So when when the ask is made, is it the that's is the why, kid that's actually? Why I'll tell you this, Doug, and you know this, but I'm going to say this for your listeners. That's why when you see these numbers like, oh man, so and so gave so and so eleven thousand dollars, or so and so 
gave this top prospect, oh, the, it was fifteen grand. It's laughable. I want to tell everybody it's laughable. Add zeros to it. It ain't eleven thousand dollars. I mean, trust me, it's not even the Fed stuff that the Fed's got. You know, some of the monetary. Oh, they gave him four thousand dollars in order to sway a prospect. Come on, man, not four thousand dollars. Add some zeros. Okay, so how does it work? How does it work though? Is it the kid? Is it the dad? Or is there somebody else who's kind of a go-between? Like when you're in order to get into the it's house. Never the kid. Ha- it's never the kid. It's never the player. It's always you know whoever is leading the charge, whether it be a relative, whether it be an associate, whether it be a coach, you know, it's always somebody else. It's never the kid. Now, I'm not saying I don't sit here. Also, I don't, I don't live with my head in the sand. I don't think that, that the kid is, is completely uh, oblivious to what is occurring. Some are, some aren't, but, uh, you know, the adults in the room are the ones that are trying to uh, set the parameters. Okay. So if you were, if you were in charge, and you said, "Here's the way it should work." Um, how would you, how would you do it? Would you because you know, like part of this deal with the name and likeness thing is it's really this. It's just paying a kid, right? You get like you go down and you go like, "Hey, man, will you throw in on this kid if we get him?" Sure, right? It ends up being pay for play. Yeah. So, so how did how would you, how would you do it if I said what's the most? Because one of the things I do think it's it's really hard um, is like, look, some of these kids do come from dire poverty. A lot of some of many of them do not, and and I think one of the great things that's changed since you and I were in school is like, look, it's a pretty good life when you're a college athlete, right? You're getting cost oh, of attendance. You're, Doug, it is so um, different. It, it's the best day and age, and I know, and I know, you know, there's, there, we're going through this image and likeness, and I have some thoughts on that I'll share. But I, I it now is the best with the whole cost of attendance, with the ability, you know, back in the day. If if you had a flat tire, you know there was no way in which you could get it fixed unless your mom and dad or whoever helped you fix it. If you wanted to fly home, you lived in California, you played it in Stillwater, you want to go home for Christmas, you you can't get there unless you pay. Well, now all of that, you know, there, there's different funds. And when I was at Ole Miss at the end, it was it was pretty incredible of all of the things that that we could help our student athletes with and. We could even, you know, buy travel for parents to certain things. I mean, so it's really, really changed from back in the day when I played and even the days in which you played. I think the only way, and and I'm for the image and likeness, I'm for the Olympic model, but I don't think you can give the money to the kid while he's still there. In other words, Doug Gottlieb goes to, to Oak State. He's a good player, and somebody wants to give him image and likeness, and they want to give you a hundred grand. I don't think I can give it to you, Doug, when you're a freshman and say, "Hey, here's a hundred grand." I think that's problematic on every level. I think it goes into a trust or or some kind of financial uh, vehicle that you control. And the only stipulation for you to get that money is you have to leave in good academic standing. A lot of people have said, "I'll oh, make him get his degree." I don't think that's realistic. James Wiseman doesn't need to get his degree to go make a hundred million dollars. But if he wants to get image and likeness originally, all he's got to do is just don't burn the school. Don't, don't, when the last game ends, don't just disappear. Finish in good academic standing where you can always come back and get your degree. If you do that, then the money that you have earned through image and likeness becomes yours immediately. But I, I, I just look at it from a coaching standpoint. Number one, uh, there's a lot of hurdles that have to be overcome as it relates to Title IX and how are you going to do this with different entities, so forth and so on, and still uh, stay within federal mandated law. Number two is I look at it from a coach, and if Doug Gottlieb I know is getting fifty grand, and he went out and bought a a new car, 
and I'm his point guard, and I ain't getting nothing, then guess what? Doug ain't going to get the ball tonight. Or it's just going to create so much animosity internally that I just think it, it, it's, it's really poisonous and it's a bad look on, on every front. But again, I, I, I agree. And then, and then what happens? But what happens when, like, what happens if the kid decides to leave? Right? Like, okay, you're supposed to be a spokesperson for the Piggly Wiggly or whatever. Like, now I'm going to leave. Or, you know, what happens if the kid gets benched? Right? Is he well, still to like, me, wait, to wait. Me, wait. If he, to me, if he leaves in good academic standing, it's his money. That's Piggly Wiggly's call. You know, that. If Piggly Wiggly wants to play Doug Gottlieb to come be on their poster because that's what they have to do in order to get Doug to come to school, and then Doug doesn't turn out to what they thought he was, or, or Doug ends up making a move and leaving, as long as he leaves in, in good standing, Piggly Wiggly has signed a contract. I mean, that, that money's gone. And I, okay, and I don't but, think it just should sit there. I think it should sit there, and they should have the opportunity to, to, to let it work for them. If they want to put it in the market, if they want to buy bonds, if they want to put it in the money market, whatever. That, let that thing grow. Okay, so what about uh, um, what about the idea of this? Is like, look, if you're going to get here's the big thing, kind of you are getting to, which is you're essentially a professional athlete. You're going to have to pay taxes on that money, right? The name and likeness money. And the big thing yep. is college athletics. There's no, you're not paying taxes on benefits. They're not paying taxes on the donations that 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 they get that they're able to invest. I'm talking about the schools themselves. Aren't you becoming a right. professional athlete? And doesn't that mean we have to tax the won't, won't somebody want to tax the benefits of scholarships? Well, you know the answer to that. If, if money starts changing hands, uncles don't want his. There's yes. going to be some taxation involved. I agree. I think it's like anything else. It's like it's almost like an IRA. Again, if that Gottlieb gets a hundred grand his freshman year, it sits in there. It grows to one hundred twenty-five. He leaves at the end of his sophomore year. He pulls it out. And he pays taxes on it. See, my, 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 my deal is this is I, I think that's the whole thing. The, the being the spokesman of the Piggly Wiggly, the, all of these things are there for you after you get done playing, whenever that is. And like, you're talking about putting it in an IRA. That's essentially what you're investing in with your education, with your degree. And I'm not going to sit here yep. and, and lie to people and tell you that you learn anything profound always when you go to school uh, that you're going to use in the professional workplace. But that time that you invest, those are the, pe- the people that you're around. Those are the people that are going to be the movers and the shakers and hire you uh, or do business with you. Like there's a certain value to getting into school you couldn't get into, to being in school, to the relationships that are established. And everyone's talking about, well, what do you get when you're done? Like that's what you get when you're done. You get a whole life and a whole pro- professional uh, perspective. Um, I, I, I actually don't think you need, cause I realize if you take, there's only a certain amount of money that these people have to spend on athletics, right? If you're going to take it right. out of the Piggly Wiggly, well then why would I invest in, in the athletic department and being the official supermarket of, of the, if I can invest in the quarterback or the point guard and then, well, and, I, I and think it, this though, I think this though, Doug, I think if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, uh, the University of Mississippi Athletic Association and, you know, I need Doug Gottlieb to help me, you know, go get a good wide receiver and he gives image and likeness, he's still going to have to pay the freight in order to get a parking pass, in order to get a box, in order to get courtside seats, in order, I mean, that those bills still have to be paid. So I, I think, it's going to be – I'm, I'm not a big believer. There's only a handful of schools that are going to go down the roster and most everyone would have an image and likeness agreement. There's only a few that would do that. The rest, I think it's much ado about nothing. This is going to affect, you know, 5% of 
collegiate athletes, and the other 95%, nothing's going to change. Yeah, which is why I don't understand why you do it. I just, you just because the, the, I mean, especially they're going to change the rule um, so kids can go straight out of school and go to, to the pros in a couple years anyway. You already have the G League where they can go. Kids are going overseas. Like, I don't, I just, I've never understood a, a, a deal that works out for about 95, 90, 95%, maybe a, a, a low number, but 95% of college basketball players, this thing works out great for. I don't know if you completely change the system, but I guess obviously the government and and media people getting involved is kind of forcing some sort of change. It'll be fast. Let me, I know you got to run. I want to quickly, I got a couple of actual basketball questions for you. Um, okay. one, of you one, one of your former assistants is Mike White. I think he's a great dude. Yep. He's been to a Final Four. Um, there were some really lofty expectations of his team. They haven't played as well as people would think they'd been playing. It's very early in the year. What are your thoughts on the, on the Gators so far? Well, it's actually he hadn't gone to a Final Four. He went to an Elite Eight, if you remember. They, Frank, yeah. That was the year Frank Martin beat him. Remember in New York City, yep. it was an epic game against two of my guys, and, and that was when Frank had that incredible run. I actually did the Towson Florida game last week and was able to spend some time with Mike. And Mike has done a great job. And I'll tell you what he's done uh, even better than the wins and losses, and those speak for themselves. He's had four straight 20-win seasons advanced in the NCAA tournament for three of those four years. Well, the thing that, that I am really impressed about is the fact that he just hasn't ran from being in the shadow of Billy Donovan. I mean, when you come after Billy and everybody kind of compared him to a young Billy Donovan and sure. for all the, the reasons that you can imagine, he hasn't shied away from that at all. I, I went up in their practice facility. There's still more Billy Donovan pictures in there than him. I mean, it just shows you that Mike's very, very comfortable in his own skin. And he's got a good team. What they're, they're struggling, they're really struggling with shooting the ball which is what uh, they did last year. And they're, they're struggling with, with understanding, okay, how to best utilize Kerry Blackshear. I don't mean the staff. I mean the players just, you know, putting him in the position. Because Kerry Blackshear is a good player. He's not an over-the-rim guy. He's, he's got an old-school game, and I don't mean that disparagingly. I mean it as a compliment. He's got an old-school game, and he's really good in that mid-post. He can stretch you out. He's, you know, he kind of quits you around the rim. And and he's and, and this is new to a lot of the guys on that team. So I just think they're going through a maturation process and uh, trying to figure out who they are. They still got pieces to have a great year. Yeah, uh, Nebhard hasn't shot the ball as well as I think people would think in his second year. Um, yep, I, and Noah Locke has really struggled. And you know, Noah Locke was a guy that was a knockdown shooter last year. Those yeah. freshmen, you know, he had. Scotty Lewis, who's tremendous, and Trey Mann, who was highly rated, and Omar Payne, they're all going to be really good players, but they're freshmen and they're figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, no, I think they do people, suffer a little bit from post-depth. From from what? From lack of post-depth. You know, they lost a couple guys. Uh, when they signed Blackshear, a couple guys dipped on them, and those were rotation guys up front. Uh, the kid, Jorge Gock, who's been injured, I think he's back now. They just don't have a lot of post-depth, which changes the way they have to play up front sometimes when, with, with Blackshear. Okay. Uh, Kentucky gets beat at home by Evansville. And, you know, what happens, the, the common fans like, well, Kentucky's a bunch of freshmen. I would actually say that, you know, this year, kind of a rare year in which he has a bunch of returners, even some, you know, he's got an, probably his oldest front, front court he's, he's had since he's been there. Um, Maybe, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you look at it, obviously they have – they do have some talent, especially uh, with a couple of a couple of the freshmen specifically. Um, but you know they've been they've been good, and they obviously they beat Michigan State to where everybody kind of freaked out. 
and you know Tyrese. People started to figure out Tyrese Maxey's got some potential. What are your thoughts on Kentucky now that we've seen him for about five games? Well, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it. When you said it, they're 342nd in the country. Now you know there's 353 teams, so they're only ahead of 11 teams in the country in three point shooting. That's the yeah, issue. 21 percent. 21. 20. They're they're really really struggling. Uh, the, they they got to find an offensive identity. Uh, I think defensively they could be elite, but Evansville, I did that game ironically enough, and Evansville spread them and drove them and played small ball and put Sustina on an island and, and kind of took him out of his comfort zone. You know, Sustina's a, a really good piece. I think he's going to be a, a great addition to that team. But this is a different level for him, too. You know, he, yes. he probably played more five than four at Bucknell. He was never really asked to guard on the perimeter. Uh, and he was exposed in that Evansville game. Give Walter McCarty and his staff and his kids uh, kudos for for finding that that matchup and attacking it. So Kentucky struggled. You know, it's not a typical John Calipari go get it off the offensive glass and put it back in. It's his worst offensive rebounding team to date. Those are things that I think are correctable. Uh, I think he will correct those in time. Uh, but as you all know, man. You know, you you take some early losses. I don't think the Evansville loss is going to affect them one way or the other because it's Kentucky and they're going to play, you know, 25 other quality games to close the season. But they've got to figure out who they are offensively without question. It's it's funny you put it, Sestina. So I did, um, I did some Bucknell games a couple years ago, and I think what pe- people don't understand the difference, they don't like, maybe they understand it, but they don't love the idea of different levels, right? There's just a different, and right. Bucknell is, I, I guess we'll call it mid-major, but little. It's like the one of the best low-major to mid-major. Yes, mid-major right. minus, right. and and in their right. league, it's it's a wrap. Like they have the best facility, they have the most right. investment, uh, the resources, and the coaching is really good. And they have better players than everybody else. That's why they dominate that league. But now you come up into a, a higher level. And granted, Evansville obviously is is probably more of a mid-major minus as well. But the the yeah. higher the level, like that power forward position. Like you got to, you're going to have dudes there. Either you're going to have somebody who's six eight, six nine, and legit athletic, or you have somebody playing small, and now he's going to have to guard a six six wing, and you know where he's going to have to move his feet. That's an incredibly difficult transition. And then the rest of the, so it's like he was at a low, a mid major minus for a reason, right? And then now you have some some of these Kentucky kids. Like Nick Richards, like they're good players, but the reason there's a reason they've hung around Kentucky for a couple of years. It, it's not. I'm not trying to disparage them as human beings or players, sure, but no, sure, like if sure. they if they were pros, they'd be in the pros. <laughs> and so yeah. I th- I think it's going to be really interesting. And the shooting thing, like Jazang can shoot, but I, you know I don't think he's ready for this level this early in his career. Maxie's a scorer, not a shooter. And so, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think the defensive stuff is fixable. I agree with you that they can be more connected and they will be. And I think Cal's a real hell of a coach because, because he does, he coaches each individual kid as much as the team. I just don't know how much you can fix when you can't score. That's a really hard way to live. Well, quickly is going to have to, to, to quickly. Uh, become a, a 12 or 13 point guy in the game they can count on. Ashton Hagees has got to finish in the paint. I think he's tremendous at getting to his spot, but he is not a great finisher at the rim, which is problematic. And Sustina's got to be a knockdown shooter. That's what they thought he was. Stretch four, knock it down. They got to get EJ Montgomery back. Last year when I did a bunch of their games, I thought he was a guy that could be a double figure guy as a sophomore. He's been hurt. He's been, you know, in and out of the doghouse. There's been some questions about 
uh, as it relates to his approach and, you know, how tough is he. And now he, now he's banged up. And I, I think he's a guy that's wired to score that can really help them in that mid post. They don't have anybody. You know, last year they needed a basket. What they do, they're going to you know, pin down for Tyler Hero. They're going to throw it to the block for Reed Travis. They're going to give it in the mid post to PJ Washington. And, and then they're going to eat off the offensive glass. They don't have any of those options this year. So they're going to have to figure some things out and do it quickly. All right, uh, I want to ask you about one more team in the league, um, Auburn. Uh, they do have they got an older bunch, right? They lost a bunch, but they still have five an older seniors. bunch. Five five, five seniors, seniors, which is super super rare. Um, yep. His style Such at is a high major. Uh, yeah, I mean at, at a at a, yep. at a high major, but it, it yep. you know, Bruce is a fa- fascinating guy. I know him really well. I think, uh, but like to lose. To lose Bryce Brown, who, who's you know your best three point shooter, to lose Jared Harper, who took so many, to lose Chumo Keekley, and then to be right back here. But part of it is they have this age. Now they're a little bit ahead now because they have the seniors. Does eventually everybody else catch up because they have more talent, just more youth, or is this Auburn team really going to be that good? I don't think they've they haven't been super challenged. I give Bruce credit because I used to do this at, at Ole Miss because you had to at Ole Miss, and and I give him credit. He goes on the road to South Alabama, which is a really hard game. He wins a one point game. South Alabama's a good team, predicted by many to win the Sun Belt Conference. But then you know you, you got Colgate, Cal State, Northridge, Davidson. I'll have Coach McKillop, who I've got great respect for. I'm, I'm doing the Orlando Invitational, and he's down there. I think he opens up against Marquette and on Thanksgiving week, and they play Georgia Southern. So they really haven't they haven't been super challenged yet. Uh, I like his group. I'm a big Samir Dowdy fan. I think he's tremendous, and he's gotten off to a great start. Uh, the freshman Isaac Okoro is tremendous. Uh, Bruce was raving about him at media day with his ability to guard, but now he's showing really – you know, some offensive flavor and versatility. I like their front line. Anthony McLemore is one of my favorite guys in college basketball. You're talking about a quality young man. He's already got his degree. He'll probably get his master's in a year. Shot blocker can stretch you. Dangelo Purifoy is either in his fifth or sixth year on campus. Austin yeah. Wiley, many people believed him to be a one-and-done. He's, he's now, both, 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 Purifoy, both Purifoy and Wiley, people thought were one-and-done-ish. Wiley, obviously, yep. some, he's got injuries, so he can't practice or play every day. But Purifoy, like, he, he thought he was coming there to be there for, for 30 seconds and then go to the league. And to have those guys around this long is kind of part of what's, what, what, what gives them a possibility of winning big. And you think about what's transpired over the last two years. You know, two years ago, Bruce got the team to the NCAA tournament. Then last year, they go to the Final Four. All these kids were around. You know, Samir Dowdy sat out a year, played last year. So he's been around both of these two really good years. Uh, Daniel Purifoy, if you said, has been there forever. Uh, so he, he's been around, and, and those kids are, are anxious to have their opportunity to go out and shine. And I think one thing that Bruce does better than anybody, his kids play with a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence, and they're off to a really good start. Um, okay, last 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 thing. Um, we when I did your game against Florida, I think it was IHOP. We had we had we had breakfast. <laughs> give me the, give me the one. Give me give me the restaurant in the SEC that when you were coaching and now that you're broadcasting could be breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. The one place that you most look forward to going when you're on the road. Well, I'm going to give you a bad answer because I you know as a coach. The thing about broadcasting that it's done for me, it's opened my eyes to I can explore the communities. As a coach, you know how it is, man. You know, you fly in, you bust the hotel, you eat in the hotel, you bust the gym, you bust the airport, you get out. 
But as a commentator, now I'm flying in, I'm getting to rent a car, I'm driving, I'm figuring it out. I've, I've, I've been fortunate to, to spend some, some time in Rupp. I love going to Rupp Arena. I love, I love, man, the passion of the Kentucky faithful. That place is special. Uh, I love that little downtown area right there by Rupp. A lot of good restaurants, a lot of good bars. But I don't really, you know, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that say, hey, I'm going to go and have breakfast at this specific spot. I'm more of a nightlife guy. You know that. All right, so give me a nightlife spot. Well, I don't, I don't know names. I'm not getting into names. But I, I, I do think that, that I enjoyed my trips around the, the SEC now in a non-coaching capacity because I can't check out a lot of the local establishments. <laughs> okay, how about, how, about, how about this one? Um, I need a non-Huggins family best coach, the guy that you, you may have no, I, like, I don't know this guy from Adam. We don't hang out. We didn't hang, when we were recruited on the circuit, we didn't hang out together. You know, even now, like, I, I just, I think this guy is really, really, really good and people don't pay enough attention to him as a coach. But it has to be well, non-family. Guy, you can't give me, you can't okay, give me a Huggins family guy. No, this is not, a, this is not a Huggins guy. He did, he did recruit me back when I was coming out in the 80s. I was class of 86, so it would have been summer of 85. He did recruit me. Uh, he was at Alabama for one year for WIMP prior to going back and starting his career at George Mason, and it's Rick Barnes. I, I know Rick Barnes. And I think yeah. finally, I think when, people, when he was at Texas, people took it for granted. I think what he did over the last couple of years at Tennessee got the nation's uh, uh, attention. Uh, he's another one, much like Auburn. They lost a boatload when you talk about Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone, and he ain't missed a beat. I mean, they're 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 legit again. He's got really great guards. He signed a McDonald's All American. He's signing high level dudes. I think Rick Barnes is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he is a, a really good coach that adjusts to the style of his team. You know, the last couple of years, everything went through Grant and Admiral in that mid post. Now he's shooting a bunch of threes, high ball screen. He's never been a high ball screen guy. He's doing it because of Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden. So I, I am a huge Rick Barnes fan. Uh, both personally and professionally. Personally, he's a gem. Like he's a, I just I, this gives me the opportunity to say, like when I we played against him, I didn't like him because I didn't know he was such a smartass, right? Right. And uh, yes, you know, like he's got, got oh my god, wit. like like you you know like we we, we I he they came in the league and his first year at Texas they were like six and ten out of the league. And they end up turning around and winning the league with gay, crazy Gabe Monecki and Chris Mim. They had some talent now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he would sit over there and talk to you on the opposing bench like, oh, can't shoot. Uh, here we go. We're four on five. Yeah. You know, like he just he <laughs> didn't you, like right? didn't. Yeah. So uh, but one, I agree. Very, very good coach Two, like unbelievable, dude. I'll give you an example. The final four is in Dallas and I was working for CBS and my wife's from Oklahoma, but never been to Austin. So I was like, I talked to him a couple weeks before about his team. And he goes like, hey, why don't you come down here? I said, well, we were talking about it. He's like, no, 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 come down here. So, you know, he gets done. And, and this is towards the end of his run at Texas. So things weren't necessarily great. And from arranging hotels, meeting me for coffee, giving me every yoga and restaurant spot there is, like he oh, might as like well have been the man. Like you're on your official visit. He's tremendous, man. Yeah, he's he's an unbelievable human being, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm so happy to see his success. Uh, AK, I've taken up way too much of your time. Can't wait to see you hey, on you're TV. The only guy, Dougie, you're the only guy. I told you I'd give you thirty minutes. You take an hour and a half. People that know yeah. you love you. That, that's what they expect, right? Yep. All right. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, man. See you. 
All right, let me quickly kind of react to the James Wiseman suspension, which came down right at the time of recording some of this. Uh, He's going to be suspended 11 additional games. Seems like a lot. Um, Part of it was he played well and eligible. Supposedly they have to donate $11,500, which is like, okay, they have 11.5. That's interesting. Where are they going to get that money from? Uh, Look, I'm, I'm generally of this belief. That's generally my belief. I want guys to play college basketball more. Do I want you to be able to pay a kid to move them when they're in high school? There's a weird set of circumstances here. It, it speaks more to how dirty high school basketball is than college basketball is. And then there's the, did Kentucky, you know, rat him out? Much like did Maryland rat out Ohio State on their star defensive end? Like, I, I don't know. What I can tell you is, I, I just, if you're the NCAA, you you want to set a precedent. You want to say this stuff is not acceptable, that you can't you can't do some of these things. On the other hand, you also want to create an atmosphere where your understanding of as long as you're honest with us, and that maybe that's their biggest question with Memphis. As long as you're honest with us, we're not going to be overly punitive and keep the kid out because we want to see him play. So I think the suspension is too long, unless we find out Wiseman or his people lied about receiving the inducements way back two years ago when he was moving for high school. By the way, uh, next week, I will answer some of your questions, right? It'll be Thanksgiving. We'll be giving out opinions, winners of tournaments, all kinds of different stuff. Um, I'll leave you with this in regards to the NBA. It's pretty amazing what LeBron is doing. Obviously, his career path, taking him to the West in three different franchises and doing it for this long, for 17 years, has allowed him more opportunities and the way in which we play now, more opportunities to get triple doubles. But look, I don't want to get into the Jordan versus LeBron or Magic versus LeBron or, and I don't, I don't know what to make of the suddenly Kobe shows up to a game and you act like, oh my God, I can't believe Kobe came to one of my games. Especially when Kobe actually said they went to the game because his daughter Gianna is a huge fan of Trey Young, who's playing on the other team. But regardless of that, what I marvel at with LeBron and the Lakers this year, but LeBron specifically, he's playing really good basketball. Um, he seems fully committed to making Anthony Davis a superstar. And we're talking, you know, what are we, four or five, six months removed from Magic Johnson right before their last game resigning so there were no exit meetings. Like, it was a dumpster fire. And now they're the best team in the NBA? So LeBron and LeBron is, he's their best player. He's leading, he's defending, he's getting people involved. Uh, I don't know, you know, he has to play bully ball some. He has to use his strength more than his, uh, than his agility. But, and I don't know what that looks like once we get to the NBA playoffs and deep in the NBA finals. But right now they figured out Alex Caruso's value. Rondo's playing just enough, but not too much. They haven't really even gotten full Kuzma going as he got poked in the eye in their last game against Oklahoma City, and he's he's been a little bit slow to come around. But I, I think they're the best team in the NBA, and I think LeBron James has had a magnificent start. And when you consider where they were to where they are and the, and the lack of, of time together to make this work, impressive. Impressive. I don't think the mellow thing works. And look, I've only seen him one game, but one of the things that Mello is suffering from, 
I think that this happens in college basketball when guys replace famous coaches is you can't get calls. Like Melo drove in there three times and I'm sure first, first 10 years of his career, he gets a call. He doesn't. And so he doesn't know how to adjust. Like that's a hard emotional adjustment just to go from a guy that got the calls, to the guy that doesn't get the calls. Uh, he can't defend. He has to have a volume of shots. Doesn't get calls anymore. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it, I don't think it works. I think there's a reason that most teams passed. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to send us a question or comment at Gottlieb shows, the Twitter handle or on our Facebook page as well. We'll answer those questions next week. Make sure to tell a friend to download, subscribe and to rate this podcast. My thanks to Andy Kennedy, to our entire production team. I'm Doug Gottlieb and this is all ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.